is with us. And that has been the theme that we have dealt with throughout the month of December. Merry Christmas and a blessed Advent to all of you who are here tonight. We don't have an official tiding for Advent, so I think that the words Merry Christmas and blessed Advent work well. Now you know we've been anticipating Christmas and the arrival of Jesus all throughout this month. And you with kids can certainly feel that anticipation as even on this morning, my son woke up and said, is it time to open the presents yet? So we know that there is great anticipation for a variety of reasons, but as I mentioned during the welcome, we're very happy that you're here with us on tonight. Christmas is here, but more importantly, God is here with us. So if you've been journeying with us these past four weeks, you know that we've been celebrating and observing Advent, and now here we are on Christmas Eve, the verge of the celebration of the arrival of Jesus our Savior. Now, we've said that we would cover a number of topics, and we have, and we have and through all of those topics, looked at one unifying theme, and that is that the arrival of Jesus, our Savior, the light of the world, Emmanuel, God, is with us. Now, by now, since we've been talking about this for a few weeks, you know that Advent is a season of expectant waiting as we focus and reflect on Christ's coming. His coming to earth on that first Christmas, long ago, and his eventual triumphant return to earth to complete God's ultimate work of redemption. And each week of Advent, we focused on a different aspect of God's character embodied and brought into our world and lives in Jesus. Hope, love, joy, and peace. You also know that the theme of our Advent celebration has been God with us. And we dealt with how long ago the prophet Isaiah foretold the birth of the Messiah called Emmanuel. Matthew shone a little light on the subject in his account of the Christmas story found in the book of Matthew chapter 1. Let's take a look at verses 22 and 23. And it reads, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, as you know, God with us. The Christmas story is a powerful story filled with wonder and miracles and very real life. It is the story of God with us, Jesus come to earth as the most wonderful gift of all eternity. As we have walked through various parts of the Christmas story these past four weeks, we have explored the intersection of God with us in the lives of real people 
who played a role in his arrival. And we have seen that as he brought hope, love, joy, and peace into their lives in a very real way, he will do the same for us today. Amen? So in our time together now, let's briefly trace our way through portions of this Christmas story again, highlighting all that it means that God is with us. And let me also say that if you have children that are being loud, I don't want anyone to feel that they need to leave. I want everyone to be able to enjoy the word of God on this evening. And I think we've all heard a baby once or twice before in our life. Amen? Amen. God with us brings hope. The book of Luke begins with an account of Jesus' birth. Most of us usually start reading at Luke chapter 2. But if we do, we miss a great deal of important context. Luke began his story of Jesus' life with Zechariah and Elizabeth, a priest and his wife, an old childless couple who receive an angelic message that they will have a son who will be promised prophet to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. I enjoyed that lesson a great deal. And as you know, we are talking about John the Baptist. And this message to Zechariah was a bright spark of hope to the couple who had longed for a child for most of their lives, but even more to the people of Israel. You see, the promise of the Messiah had given the Jews their deepest hope throughout their entire history. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, God had been caring for his people and making a way to restore them and us to himself. He had formed a covenant with Abraham, promising the blessing of Christ to all people through Abraham's family. He had affirmed the same covenant through the leaders of ancient Israel. And he had foretold the arrival of the Messiah through many prophets, perhaps none more so than Isaiah. And so if you turn to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah in verse 6 and 7 fanned the flames of hope with his messages of the coming king such as these in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on 
and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Other prophets delivered similar messages, but there had been hundreds of years of silence before renewed hope burst onto the scene once again and the words delivered to Zechariah. It was a tangible hope for the priest and his wife that God had heard their prayers. And he was answering with a tangible fulfillment of their hopes through a son. And it was a tangible hope for the nation of Israel that God had not forgotten them. He was still at work and he was on the move again, preparing the way for the long-awaited Messiah. Hope in Israel was alive again. Hope on earth at its deepest levels was alive again. And hope is still alive for us today. So I ask you tonight, how is your hope? Whether your heart is light and your spirit is deep in despair, let me encourage you that God with us brings hope that sparks like a fire. It flows like water. It grows like a seed. Hope grows and spreads like a living thing. It can dwindle and wane and yes, even die. But with nurture and care, it can revive and flourish and multiply. I want to say to you on this evening that as we focus on gratitude, we can renew hope. Recognizing and appreciating the good that God has shown us in the past can increase our hope for all he will do in the future. Collectively, we can all be thankful for the gift of God's son. And individually, we can all be thankful and pay attention to the ways and times that God has shown up for us in our lives. Can I get any witnesses on this evening? From the many daily gifts, any of you seen the meme of the gift that has the little picture of the bow on the, the light switch and then another picture of the bow on the stove and then another picture of the bow in different areas of the house saying that we're just thankful for some of the things that some of us begin to take for granted like heat and water and food and clothing and shelter. We're thankful from that all the way to the blessings of children, the blessings of acts of guidance and provision or protection in whatever ways he knew exactly what we needed. This is a perfect season for sharing this gratitude and hope with those who love and support us. And as we do, hope multiplies its effects. As we nurture living hope, it can sustain us through our darkest days as we wait for God to move. This is my prayer for us all in this season out of the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God with us brings hope. God with us also brings love. When we talked about love, we talked about Mary and Joseph. And it was interesting because when we talked about it, I talked in the way of sharing with you a love story. And I'm sure many of you have never read that scripture and thought, oh, what a beautiful love story. But we got a chance as we looked at it with a fresh perspective, and we saw that in many ways, Mary and Joseph gave us a typical story for its day of love. A young couple of humble means enters into that multi-step process of marriage in ancient Israel, and they think they know where their lives are headed. They think that they have it all planned out and all charted out. And then an angel shows up, announcing a miraculous pregnancy, the Son of God. Their world is rocked. Their once quiet lives will never be the same. We read it and we looked at it as a love story and we said, will their relationship survive? what was perceived as a betrayal. Mary and Joseph's was a love story and a life story being written by God himself and he is love itself. He knew just how to deliver tangible love to Mary and Joseph in exactly the ways they both needed. For Mary, this was the support of someone who could fully understand what she was going through. And Elizabeth was just the person, as she was experiencing her own miracle pregnancy as well. And her reception of Mary was like the biggest, warmest hug she could receive. Elizabeth's understanding and acceptance served as the tangible arms of God to confirm and reassure Mary that she was not alone. For Joseph, a supernatural expression of love was needed. In his pain, he decided to privately divorce Mary. But God lovingly met his needs by sending an angel to assure Joseph that miraculous events were indeed taking place. In just the right ways, God lovingly provided what Mary and Joseph needed. And God does the same thing for us. God is love. God gives his love to us freely. And when we open ourselves to it, God's love flows through us to others. If you turn at 1 John chapter 4, just going to read into your hearing, verse 16 and 19. John wrote, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Amen. We love because he first loved us. This is the love that knit the universe together. 
It is the love that knits you and I and our families together. It is the love that amazes me. I, I send text message back and forth to members of the congregation and it's not uncommon for me to text Stacy and for say, I love you. It's not uncommon for Randy to text Pastor Charles and say, I love you. It's not uncommon for people who were perfect strangers two weeks ago, three weeks ago, five weeks ago, three months ago, to have a deep love for one another. God is love. This is the love that has knit us together. And it is the love that entered the world as a helpless human baby to identify with and be one of us and to willingly lay down his life and be killed under the unimaginable burden of the sins of the world so that we can be restored in love and relationship with God for eternity. God is love. His love for us and within and through us is miraculous and transformative force that changes us and sweeps us into this miraculous story as well. As we respond to God's love, we find our own capacity to love expanding. For our children in the room, it's sort of like that story, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Maybe you remember how the Grinch's heart kept growing bigger and bigger three sizes that day until it burst the measuring frame. Perhaps like that transformed Grinch, we too can be bringers and bearers of love in this Christmas season and beyond. Let's start with those who are closest to us tonight. Let's start with our spouses and our kids and our relatives and all the people we've been impatient with in the busyness of the season, amen? Amen? Let's continue with our friends in this room, in our neighborhoods, in our community, and at our jobs. And yes, let's make sure we include the strangers, the people who seem different from us, who aren't all that different once we get to know them. Love has come into our world in the person of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's live and spread his love in every way we can. God with us also brings joy. Elizabeth personifies Christmas joy. Now you remember Mary's cousin, the mother of John the Baptist, was the first, after all, to receive and experience joy in the arrival of Jesus on earth. But first there was joy and miraculous gift of her own son, John the Baptist. And it was all the more joyous because of the pain and the shame she had endured. Now you'll remember that Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, had never been able to have children. And now they were old, way too old, past childbearing age. So their dreams of having kids, or even one kid, were now dead. 
this was a great loss, they would have grieved deeply, we said, especially Elizabeth, because the shame would have fallen on of her shoulders and she would have been called barren, like a desert. She was the one that was considered a failure for not providing her husband a child. And we said, especially in this time, a son. So Elizabeth was stigmatized as a disgrace in a culture that prized having children because they are indeed blessings from God. And this was a burden she would have carried inside most of her life. But then an angel appeared to her husband first, telling him the couple would have a son, not just any son, but one who had been prophesied to prepare the way for the Messiah. Zechariah, we said, was in disbelief of the news initially. Elizabeth must have felt joy when she heard, and, or certainly when she became pregnant soon after. We know she felt gratitude, but we're not entirely sure why she spent the first five months of her pregnancy in seclusion. When we talked about this, I imagined that she was someone who wanted to protect the blessing that God had given to her. And by stowing away to make sure that nothing could come between the promise. What's clear though is that when Mary came to visit shortly after her encounter with the angel, joy erupted from Elizabeth. She proclaimed to Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears in Luke chapter one, verses 44 and 45, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth's joy was contagious, filling Mary and setting her free to overflow with gratitude and praise with her own song. Joy is like that. It spreads. And it often is present in circumstances that don't seem all that joyous, especially when its source is Jesus. God with us. Peter described that kind of joy in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 as inexpressible and glorious. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That kind of joy is deep stuff. But it's the joy that's rooted in our Savior, who has come and lived and died and lives again, and who will return again someday to complete his ultimate work. This is the joy that Jesus said no one will take away in John 16, 22. Christmas is characterized by joy. So 
sometimes for reasons that have nothing to do with the real reason for the season, but we pause tonight because we recognize that the joy comes from Jesus. Let's look for and choose joy no matter what troubles may be swirling around us, no matter what pains may be troubling us inside. Let's rejoice together for the arrival of our Lord and in the knowledge that he is with us, always working to provide and heal in our hearts and lives. God with us brings joy. Lastly, God with us brings peace. We like to think of it as a peaceful night in Bethlehem on that first Christmas. But it wasn't for Mary and Joseph. Mary was giving birth in a stable after a frantic search for lodging of any sort in a city that was crowded there wasn't a place for a pregnant woman to stay. It might not have been peaceful for the shepherds either. We tend to picture a calm, still night and a pastoral scene with shepherds resting around a campfire and sheep nestled in for the night beneath clear skies and twinkly stars. But those sheep might have been restless and trying to wander off. Think about a stable. Think about the amount of noise that may have been taking place. Think about what we experienced just now. Sometimes there's that noise to question whether you can still find peace that comes from God. Will a crying baby rattle you? Or does your peace come from deeper within? Does what is happening around you impact you to the place where you can't rest in God? Or have you grabbed a hold to this peace that we talked about on just this Sunday? There may have been coyotes howling nearby or leopards prowling. Storms may have threatened to overhead, but we know that with God came peace. It's interesting because when we talked about the shepherds, we also talked about recognizing what God did and showing us that instead of coming to the religious leaders and making the announcement, instead of coming to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we discovered it was very intentional that he would come to shepherds, that he would come to those who at least in that time, were considered lowly and menial, maybe even insignificant. After all, you take care of sheep. But we know that this was intentional and that they may not have even been particularly religious. They undoubtedly believed in God and did their best to follow the laws, but in the social and spiritual order of the day, we found that these guys were at or near the bottom, and they knew it. They were nowhere near the holiness of the Pharisees. 
They probably either felt a lot of guilt about not measuring up to what they perceived as God's standards, or they just quit trying. So when a heavenly being appeared in the sky, they probably thought they were in for it that night. But you and I know the story. The angel was a messenger of joy and peace who said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel said in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The chorus of angels sang in Luke chapter 2 verse 14. God had purposely chosen to let these lowly sheep herders in on the first news of the celebration because his son had come for them. God with us was here and he was here for the outcasts. He was here for the shepherds. He was here for the downtrodden. He was here for those that don't measure up. He was here for those who do not have a highly esteemed place. And to all of them, he brought a message of peace. This was the peace of Shalom, a concept deeply ingrained in the understanding of the ancient Jews. Even more than an absence of fighting, we said the Shalom peace was a fullness of safety, completeness, and wholeness. This was the peace of restoration with God. It is the peace that settles our souls deeply. It is the calm acceptance that it is well with my soul. No matter what swirls and storms come around me, that it is well with my soul. Because God is with us. That is the peace that is available for us. And it is the peace we celebrate today. It is also the peace in Advent that keeps us looking forward when Jesus returns one day. He will heal all that's been broken and restore God's complete kingdom of shalom. Yes, then there will be the absence of war and hatred, but even that type of peace will be an extension of the wholeness that he will establish. This is the peace that holds us even when the circumstances surrounding around us are not those of a silent night. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, Paul taught us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now we don't often keep going, but when you do, it says... And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My friends, this is the kind of peace that we have access to because God is with us. The peace that transcends understanding because it defies our circumstances and our problems and our pain. Even in our darkest nights and our fiercest storms, we can draw near to God and find the settling presence of his spirit. 
This is the peace of Christ and the wholeness of Shalom that we celebrate with the arrival of Jesus. Here on this Christmas Eve together, let us rest in that peace in this moment and let us carry it with us even as we return home to our celebrations and our traditions and as some of us may even return home to the tribulations we escape for just a short period of time. The Prince of Peace is calm and he can rule in our hearts. In closing, I would like for the ushers to prepare to assist me and to also dim the lights. God with us is Jesus and that brings us to the center of it all. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus. Luke's description is so understated, yet so definitive. The Messiah came into the world in the most humble of ways, human, infant, poor, vulnerable, physically dependent, God with us as one of us. A miracle, the greatest of all miracles, yet a quiet miracle. And the miraculous announcements and events surrounding his birth were at first quiet, personal, even controversial in appearance for Mary and Joseph. Then they were unexpected and localized to lowly outcasts and foreign sages who were on the lookout for such an unexpected disruption of eternity. And still in the middle of it all is Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us. Jesus is the fulfillment of all hope. Jesus is the embodiment of love. Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is life. And because he has come, we can be with God authentically, honestly, wholly, and eternally. Pastor, can you dim the lights, please? Jesus is the giver of life to the full, as he has described in John chapter 10, verse 10. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. As he is described in John 4, 6, 14, 6. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. That's good, thank you. Jesus is who we have figuratively waited and prepared for through Advent. And Jesus is who we continue to look forward to in his eventual return. In the meantime, he is with us, filling us with his life and his spirit. Now, as we arrive at this moment here, let us open our hearts to him in worship. 
Let us receive his hope, his love, his joy, and his peace, and ultimately his life. Paul captured a snapshot of this life we now have in Christ, as well as a complete summary of Advent and the gifts brought to us by God with us. He said in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that, we that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Again, that was Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. What a beautiful description of the life brought to us by Christ. Tonight on Christmas Eve, let's be like those shepherds of long ago. Let's eagerly go to our Savior and worship. And let us return glorifying and praising God when we find and know and experience all that he has promised. <laughs>